High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. All right, when you think of great, who do you think of? Jordan? All I've heard is me and Michael Jordan. God. Who said Adam Sandler? Okay, okay. I hear you. Chris Evans. Shia LaBeouf, my guy. Oh, wow. All right, go to... Where, oh my gosh, go to Hebrews 11. Uh, it's where we've been the past couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be there again this week. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 17, uh, verse 17 through 22. Hebrews 11, 17 through 22. Y'all ready? Y'all got it? Got it memorized? Oh my gosh. You know, it used to be that everyone had to go memorize the whole Torah. Um, I am in ESV. As always, ESV. I'm kind of transitioning to CSB, but I don't want to talk about it publicly yet. Um, but tonight, I'm in the ESV. Because I speak English. Ready? Everyone good? Everyone there? It's the only place we're really going to be at all night, so I want to make sure you're there with me, all right? Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 22. 17 through 22. Tonight, I want to talk to you guys about generations. Everyone say generations. generations. Who here um, who here knows their great-grandparents or knew them? Cool. I want to talk about great-grandparents for a second. So great-grandparents have like this um, special place in my life, in my life, I say in my life, in my mind, because in my mind, uh, great-grandparents are like the, they're like, um, you ever seen Kung Fu Panda? And, uh, you know, what's the little squirrel man's name? Um, Master Shifu. That's what I imagine, like, great-grandparents as, is Master Shifu. Um, he is not a panda. I'm not having this argument publicly, but he is not a panda, and I don't believe that, nor do I accept it. I think you're wrong. He's not. He's definitely a squirrel. He has whiskers. Oh, sorry. I have the mic. Anyway, <laughs> microphone rules all. And now I've lost what we're talking about. All right, we're talking about generations. We're going to start over. Everyone say generations one more time. Generations. Um, so the past couple of weeks we've talked about who? Moses and then... Noah. Okay, so tonight we are not talking about one specific person, uh, but I do want to read these five verses in Hebrews 11 because I think, uh, I think God is really highlighting something that he likes to do and something that we've really moved away from um, all these hundreds, thousands of years later. So I'm going to read it to you, highlight it, memorize it. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac, Shall your offspring be named? He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive back. Sorry. Did I read that right? From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive back. Yeah. 
Okay, so everyone in here, who knows the story of Abraham and Isaac? So not everyone. Okay, cool. So I'm going to paraphrase kind of like this story and a couple other stories tonight because I don't have a whole lot of time to go into all of them. But basically, God promises Abraham that his descendants will outnumber the stars. And he makes these great promises to this super old man named Abraham and says, you're going to be like the beginning of my chosen people. Everyone know the song, Father Abraham? Had many sons? Many sons had? Come on, show yourself. Man, it's crazy. I don't get that part. Um, what's with the right arm, left arm? You're all what? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I don't understand it. Anyway, uh, so anyway, Father Abraham, that's kind of why he gets that name as Father Abraham, because he is the beginning of God's people. Um, and so he finally, at a super old age, has a son named Isaac. And one day God says, hey, go kill your son. Um, like up on the mountain, sacrifice him to me. And so he is tested by his faith because this was his promise. And God eventually, right before, says, hey, actually, don't do that. I was just testing you. Um, so, just, so you understand what's going on. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph... At the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Okay, so the reason I want to talk about generations tonight, and the reason I read you that when, whenever I read that uh, a few days ago, it became very apparent to me that one of the greatest things God does happens generationally. Okay, uh, you don't have to raise your hands or like make any notion whatsoever, um, but myself am like a first generation Christian in a sense. Um, my, my parents did not live that life. So to me, I would be like a first generation. I'm trying to start a generational um, norm move within my family. Some of you, your parents, your grandparents, your, your master shifus, they have been living this life and you are a product of great generational um, blessings, to put it that way, right? Okay, what, what I want tonight to be about and what I really want you to understand is that you have the ability to break cycles that have been happening in your family over and over and over again. And we'll, we'll get to it in a second. I finished this, I think, but I want to read it to you one more time. Because watch what happened. It says, by faith, Abraham, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who, was, who he had received... The promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offering, offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, then when dying, blessed each of his, the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. So this is a complete rundown from the very beginning of Abraham all the way until Joseph uh, moves basically the people, the Israelites, to Egypt. And then we've already talked about Moses a couple weeks ago. So this whole thing happens through generations. Anyone here ever um, skip over the genealogies in Scripture? 
Raise your hand. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, when it gets to like, and this man was the son of this man, who was the son of this man, and bore this man, and this man married this person and had this child. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it's usually like this like giant chapter of just names. Here's why those are important. And I'm not saying that you have to read them every time, but I just want to, I want you to know why those are so stinking important. And it's several reasons. But for one, it proves and it shows that the greatest things God's done through man has happened through generations. Okay? And if you look at even like, even the, gen- the genealogy of Jesus and all these, like people sometimes will get asked like, who cares about Rahab or Boaz or Ruth or, that's a real name, I didn't make that up. Um, and these people, but the reason why they are so heavily hit on is because these people are the line of Christ. And everything, all of Scripture, Old Testament, New, New Testament, points back to Jesus. All of it. So you have these, these people, these names, these stories, just like what we just read here, these generations of, of people who did great things by faith that all lead to Christ. Every bit of it. And that's why if you go to Matthew and you open up Matthew, Matthew is like, here's the whole lineage of Jesus. This is how we know he was from the line of David. He's the lion of Judah and all these other great things. It proves prophecy. It does a lot of great things. But one thing that I really want you to understand is that it shows how God accomplishes great things. It's through families. It's through generations. And something that, like I said at the beginning, something we've gotten away from and something that I don't think that we even realize, and I don't, and hear me, I, and I know because I've been doing youth ministry for a long time, I know we don't talk about this stuff a whole lot to your age. We wait till we're over there. And then it's like, you guys you need to really start thinking about what kind of parents you're going to be. And it's just like what I talked about when we did Baywatch. There are conversations and things you guys need to start learning now and understanding now and not waiting until you're in your mid-20s and start thinking about generations. You guys, you've got to start breaking these generational curses now. Like, like, like tonight. And I don't think anyone has ever told you that you have the ability nor the power to do so. Because a lot of times when we mention those things, we talk about those things, it's like, I don't have, I'm just, there's a kid, I'm a teenager, I don't know how to do that. And I just want you to know, I'm not talking about like, I kind of have to really clarify some things tonight because I'm going to use some terms that sound like someone at your, like like Rapunzel at your birth, the lady, what's her name? Galgotha, Galadriel, whatever her name was, like came and like cursed you as a child and was like, you will be like this. Like that's not what we're talking about. But what I am referring to, because people get really worried about weird about the word curses and we think it's like witchcraft and like, you know, Bellatrix came at your baby shower and cursed you there are generational cycles that repeat over and over and over and over again simply because somebody never draws a line in the sand and says this is going to stop with me and it is very rare for it to happen I've been in those I, I feel like in my life I have stared face to face with generational curses and said I can either go this way or I can go that way where I can be like this, or I can choose this, the other path, I guess, if you want to call it. And so I want to talk about two different kinds of cycles that we get caught up in um, almost constantly. Um, and this first one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If not, hopefully the podcast 
will be working, maybe, possibly. We're praying for the soundboard. The soundboard's not been working um, with the recording. So anyway, if, you, if it doesn't, take notes. The first one is experience, belief, expectations, and behavior. Our experiences, things that happen to us in life, maybe things that happened to you as a child, they're things, it's basically what you are taught. It's your circumstances. Your experiences lead you to beliefs. Your beliefs then lead you to have expectations. Your expectations then lead you to certain behavior that then invokes a new experience on the next generation. Your sons, your daughters, who then, through their experiences, believe the same things you do, or it might manifest differently, it might look differently, but then those beliefs turn into expectations, those expectations turn into behavior. And this happens over and over and over and over again. Most of the time that, um, especially with young men, um, Italy, can I tell the story of when I made you cry? Okay. So we were, we were at a, a, like on a spiritual retreat a while ago, like a year ago. And uh, I made a joke to Italy because we were in small groups. And uh, I told her, and we were there like guys small groups and girls small groups. I made a joke to Italy. I was like, Italy, you can come with us. Um, and she was kind of like, eh, no. And I was like, yeah, come on. Like, we're just all talking about our dad issues. And in that moment, like, I'm just kidding because I'm talking about, like, me and my group of guys who spent, like, the past two days talking about, like, our dad problems. And when I say dad, like, wounds from our father kind of thing. In Italy, like, I've never really seen cry. And this moment is, like, just standing there just, like, laugh crying because she's trying not to. And it's all because... She has dad problems. I had dad problems. We all have dad problems. And she is weeping before. And it took me like almost a year for her to forgive me because to this day she believes that I said that because of what she was going through with her dad. Can you believe that? Italy? (laughs) She still doesn't forgive me. So y'all just talk to her, pray for her. She even told Graham. Like, what is that about? Like, they, they dated for like a day and grabbed like, Italy told me about the time you made her cry. I was like, okay, she hasn't forgiven me for that, but it's fine. Yeah, it's in, yeah. She's got some forgiveness to work through. But anyway. <laughs> what happened specifically, and I'm going to reference myself um, a lot tonight just because it'd be weird if I didn't use someone else as an example. Um, but I, I do want you to, I want you to practically think about what, what I'm explaining to you because I think some of you are in this place right now and if you would just realize it, open your eyes to it, you'd have a much, like it's kind of those things that you can't ever like deal with something until you address it, right? So let's say, um, okay, so I had absent parents. Mother was a drug addict, meth head, blah, 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 uh, very absent, went in the second half of my life, lived with a father who was like, you know, paid the bills, you know, did his own thing kind of thing. So my, my, my experience was absent parents and not feeling loved from mom or dad. That caused me to believe that something was wrong with me or that I was not lovable. So then my belief turned to my, then my expectation became, I'm, it's going to be really hard for me to find love. That expectation manifests in the behavior of I will take love wherever I can find it. 
And it's why so many of us end up in relationships with people that we shouldn't be because we are so desperate because we have certain, you get what I'm saying? Those beliefs have manifested into an expectation. That expectation manifests itself into a behavior. And this is one way generational curses repeat themselves over and over and over and over and over again. I have several um, drug addicts, especially on my mom's side of the family, like for generations, for generations. So my, my experience is that family has a lot to do with drugs. My belief is that everyone in my family does drugs. My expectation is that I will one day do drugs. So my behavior is eventually that what? You do drugs. Okay, good, great. Everyone's, everyone's catching on. But do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? And here's the problem. Guys, I cannot, nor can anyone, change your experiences. But what can happen is you can choose to not be a product of those experiences. And so many of us, we experience things. We experience hurt. We experience trauma. We experience insecurities. We, ex we experience, I mean, thousands and millions of different scenarios. The problem and the root that has to be dealt with is the belief. Because a lot of times we come to the Lord and we repent in our behavior, right? We, we repent from the behavior of, hey, my, I'm dealing with this addiction, or I'm dealing with, with this hurt, or I keep making the same mistake over and over and over again, and we only ever talk to God about the behavior. God, I don't know why I can't stop doing this. I don't know why I keep throwing myself at any guy or girl that'll give me attention. I don't know how, no matter how many times I've prayed and said I'd never do it again, I can't quit watching pornography. I can't quit this friend group because I've, and I don't understand it. You get what I'm saying? And we, we, we mostly only talk to the Lord about the behavior. Romans 12, Romans 12, 1, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Until you deal with the ungodly belief about yourself, you are going to manifest the same behavior. And so many of you, I think, get stuck and so frustrated in ungodly behavior and you don't know how to deal with ungodly behavior. And we, we become so consumed and we have these prayers and we have these moments and we're like, God, if I could just figure out what to do, I could change this, 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 and this about myself. The, that has to change to who are you going to be? And there's a massive difference between the two. And, we most, and most of the time, and this is just from experience, from my own experiences, at both in my own life and as a youth pastor, everyone wants to have the conversation, well, what do I do to get better? What do I do to quit? What do I do uh, to get rid of this friend? What do I do to not think this way? What do I do um, to, to quit this addiction? You know, whatever it might be. And we are so desperate and looking for basically like a, uh, a prescription of like, hey, take this. It's going to take it all better. And we only ever focus on the behavior. And I'm telling you right now, if you would move past the behavior, move even past the expectation and focus on the belief and uproot it. Like if you go out in your yard and you just, y'all know like dandelions? If you go outside and just pluck dandelions all day, like two days later, there's going to be a million. With weeds, you can go out and if you just halfway cut off the weeds so they don't look like they're there, it's going to continue to grow. 
high praise. You have got to pull these ungodly things in your life up by the root, and that is up by the belief. I would be, I feel like I can say this pretty confidently, most of the issues you, you are dealing with in your life, it's not because you were just, I was born this way and I just really deal with addiction. I have an addictive personality. That might be true. You might have bents like that. Like, there, there's some truth to that. But most of the things that are frustrating you are simply because you're not pulling it up by the root. You're not up, uprooting it by, by the belief. I just, I don't know why I can't stop. I don't know. I don't know why I just, I have to have a boyfriend or girlfriend every three months. I, I just can't stop doing it. I just, I, I, and we're like, God, you know, help me, help me, help me just to stay single, God. And this whole thing, God's like, okay. <laughs> like, what does that look like? And really, what has to happen is he has got to change that belief about yourself. There's a lot of times when we worship and we, if you're in church and you hear us make certain phrases, like a lot of it, we always point back to identity. We always point back to like what you, what you actually believe about yourself. But here's, here's why this is such a hard issue, especially with your generation. We just want that instant fix to our problems. We just want to pluck it and no one can see it. It's gone. It's moved. It's gone. It's like we cleared the browser history. Never happened. Deleted the contact. Never happened. You get like we have like this mentality is like well, as long as it's not visible, as long as it's not seen, it's not there. And it is very much still there. And then we get satisfied. Well, it hasn't, you know, it's been a week, it's been two weeks, like I'm doing pretty good, I'm doing all right, you know, things like this are great, and then boom, something happens, and we are completely defeated by whatever that behavior looks like. And it's simply because you're not changing the belief. I'll move on from that one. Second one I want to talk about is shame, fear, and control. Some of you have heard about this and heard, heard this talked about. But this one kind of, these two can overlap a little bit. Shame, fear, and control. Shame being that you are shameful. Of, and some of this, this might be a little bit more right where you're at. You feel shame for something that has happened to you. Or you feel shame, like this is a lot of young Christians right here. You feel shame for the sin that you commit every day and don't know how to get rid of it. You don't know how to break it. And you would be embarrassed as all get out if anyone knew it was actually happening. And that shame provides fear. <laughs> fear of someone finding out about what we're shameful of. And out of fear, we will do anything we can to control our circumstances. And with our within, and once we believe we have control over the shame, we just stay in the cycle over and over and over and over again. That shame makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel down about ourselves. So what do we do? We do the one thing that makes us feel better, no matter if it's the actual the thing that's actually killing us on the inside. We say in shame, fear, control. Fear is one of those things. Um, a lot of times, like we say the word fear, and we think like Halloween or like. You're, you're scared of the dark, or, you know, my, my kids are scared of frogs, thanks to Becca. Um, I'm not talking about fear in the sense of, like, I, 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 I don't, you, you get what I'm saying. But I'm talking, what I am talking about is this internal fear of failure, this internal fear that you're going to turn out just like mom or dad, this internal fear that, that this is only going to last for a little bit. 
You get, I'm talking about like actual fear. Like fear that, that, that no one knows about. That's the kind of fear that causes you to try to control your circumstances. See, most of you are so afraid of, um, I'll just use dads because I've been on that. So you can be afraid of turning out like, like mom or dad. And so because you are so terrified of turning out like mom or dad, and this isn't everyone in the room, you're so afraid of turning out like them, you will do, you get to be in control because you believe that you know what it will take to, for that to not happen. You get what I'm saying? It's like you are so scared of something actually happening in your life, you don't trust anyone, especially God, to do anything with your life because you know what can't happen. You know what it can't look like. And some of you are even, even do this with the Lord. I, I, some of you have Christian parents. And you're in this room because your parents are Christian. You're like, this is not for me. Because you are terrified of becoming what you would claim them to be as harsh religious people. And that, that makes you stand off. You're like, I'm not going to become like that. I'm not, I'm not going to become that person. And in that fear of becoming like that person, you are in control. I'm never going to have a conversation with God. I am never going to pay attention at church. I am never going to be like that. And it can go so many different ways. You living in fear, no matter what it is, is going to cause you to end up being somebody you don't want to be, regardless of, of what that outcome might actually look like. I want to, <coughs> I just want to make something extremely clear. At some point, the beliefs have to change. At some point, you've got to be the one that draws the line in the sand and says, this cannot happen anymore. And you have the ability to do that. You have the ability to stand before a living God and break generational curses, family DNA, however you want to term it. But hear me, we have, you have got to move past just trying to attack the behavior and it's not, you are not wrong. You are not bad for attacking the behavior. Because a lot of times we're like, hey, I need accountability. I need this. And we become so desperate to try to squash the behavior. We become so desperate to help with the control. We don't deal with the shame. And until you are able to pull back the curtain a little bit and actually dissect and attack what is, what is causing these issues in life, you are going to repeat the same cycles you are so scared of. But it will not happen in a quick fix. Hey, now I have accountability. Now it's like, even with something as simple as like, hey, I just can't read my Bible. I need you to keep me accountable. Okay, great. I can keep you accountable. Um, but only you live with you. Only you, like, accountability is a great thing. But accountability, a lot of times we try to use as like this quick fix band-aid of like, ah, all right, now it's their job to make sure I don't do this. And that's what it becomes for so many people. It's like, well, I have an accountability partner. Hope they're really good at it. Because if not, if I fail, I'm going to point to them. Well, they didn't ask. They didn't check up on me. And it becomes this major cop-out. Accountability is not, hey, I, I, I need accountability reading my words. So, Ethan, will you just, will you text me every day, like four times a day to make sure I'm doing it? That's like, that's toddler behavior. And I've talked to you all about that. I have to make sure my child goes to the bathroom four times a day. If spiritually you need someone to hold your hand and walk you through things, that's toddler behavior. 
and it won't last for one, your accountability partner will get tired of it and they will have their own life they're worried about. And it's like, well, no, one's, no one can help me. And we, we create this victim mentality, that root that goes straight back to what I was talking about at the beginning. It's this mentality that, well, it's somebody else's fault that I'm like this. Well, my mom did it. My dad did it. My grandma did it. My whoever did it. And we, we have this ability to project everything. And we, we are totally content with becoming a, circum, uh, sorry, a product of our circumstances. Again, that's toddler behavior. And again, that's passive and that's weak. And you will just be another cog in the machine of generational curses as long as you sit back and like, well, this is what everyone else had to go through. This is, this is what I'm going to have to be. I grew up in a meth house in Arkansas. In a, in a small town in Arkansas. Poor as, as the dirt. I should not be here. I should not be doing this. My dad walked away from ministry a long time ago because of how hurt he was from how his dad walked out his walk in ministry. I should not have ever been in church. I had two very, very distant and uh, just abusive parents. I should not have, I should not be the dad I am. And not saying that I'm the world's greatest dad because I miss it too. Everyone besides my grandparents for like five generations back has been divorced. I should not still be married. If the, if the, if the cycle continues, I should not be the person I am now. And I did not, I am not standing here today married, a parent in ministry, loving God and all these other things simply because God said, Garrett, you're going to be blessed more than everybody else. Come on. What did happen is I had an encounter with the Lord, and he said, hey, this is up to you now. And if not, it'll be up to your son. And if, if it's not, it'll move to him. You, a lot of you, a lot of you get so frustrated by the hurt that, that your circumstance caused you, and you become so bitter towards it because, well, I don't, get, I don't get these things. Listen to me. You, a lot of you in life, will have to receive what you always wanted when you become what you always wanted. Do you get what I'm saying? Some of you are like, well, I never had a mom or dad. That's great. Wait till you become one. Well, I never saw a healthy marriage. Well, great. Wait till you're married and, and then be the first. If, not, if I accomplish nothing else in life except set up my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids for success and they know God and, and we do this right and we do this healthy, I'm good. I'm good. If I can invoke future blessings on my family simply because of the way I live my life and I love Jesus, and my kids genuinely love Jesus, and my grandkids genuinely love Jesus, not because we put them through the machine of church or anything other than that. If I'm the one that can stand up and say, you know what, this is going to stop. My, my, here's, me and Becca have had this conversation several times. My kids will probably never know what me or her, because she's got a story too that's as wacky as mine, they will never understand what we went through to give them what they're going to receive. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. I don't need them to. But if when I pass on from this earth, and I know my kids and my grandkids have healthy families and healthy marriages and love Jesus, 
and they have no idea what it's like to, to bring our family out of divorce, out of perversion, out of drug addiction. Let that be my legacy. I don't care how many, I don't care if anyone remembers anything I ever did in ministry. If my family's fine, then that's fine. And, I, and, and until that is fixated upon your heart and you're always chasing after, like, like we, especially guys, like we think about like legacy and like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? All that other things. Get that right first. You get that right first and God will do a lot of great things with you. It's exactly what I just read to you in Hebrews 11. Abraham, Joseph, all these guys did phenomenal things in their life. But the greatest thing they did was invoke blessings on future generations. Joseph did phenomenal things, went through crazy stuff. Abraham, crazy stuff. Every one of them went through, went through it. And it was all pointing to Jesus, even though they didn't know it. It was all leading up to the greatest moment in, in history, and they had no idea. They had no idea that really what was happening was it was paving the way for the Messiah. Had no idea. People like Rahab, these little like one chapter people in scripture. Like, why are they in there? Because generationally, they are important. But until you uproot the belief out of your mind, no matter what it is, that you're going to be a bad father, you're going to be a bad mother, that you're going to be addicted to whatever for the rest of your life, that, that you are not loved, that you are less than, that you are not talented, whatever, I mean, you, you name it, until that belief is uprooted, and replaced with something else, a godly belief, scripture, you are going to repeat the same behavior the rest of your life. It is time for the cycles to end. It is time for these, 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 this foothold the enemy has in your, in your family. And I don't know your family. I don't know your history. I don't know who you're, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. And I don't care if your parents are Christians or if they're on the other side and they're the greatest people ever. Regardless, some of you in this room need to be the first and some of you, the enemy is trying to end what your generations, what, what God is trying to do through your generation. It's trying to lure you away from that. But no matter what, you're in this room, you have a decision to make now. Not later, not when you're married, not when you start having kids. You have the decision to make now to change these things in your life and in your kids' lives your grandkids' lives. But most importantly, I just want to see some of you come out of torment because you are tormented by this, this idea that you have a behavior that, that you just, you have, you now, you, some of you, if you are honest, believe that you have a behavior that, that will be with you the rest of your life. That you have a behavior that cannot be broken. It's just, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just who you are. And it starts with this. Quit being a victim. Process your hurt. Own it. It happened to you. You can either live in it the rest of your life or you can move on. Bad stuff happens. Okay? I've been hurt by parents. I've been hurt by pastors. I've been hurt by friends. And if I wanted to be a victim of it, I could be doing something else. If I wanted to say, well, that happened to me and it shouldn't have. They said that about me and it shouldn't have. They treated me this way and it shouldn't have. Well, my dad was like that to me and I didn't deserve it. My mom was like that to me and I didn't deserve it. 
and we remain just these kids with our hurt and we don't know what to do with them. But until you recognize a problem, you won't be able to fix it. And for some of you, the problem is this. Quit being a flippin' victim of your circumstances. We've all got hurt. We've all got stories. We've, and here, I'm not downplaying it. I'm not saying it's, it's get over it. I'm not saying that it's not worth getting processing through or getting he- healing from. But, man, if you want to do something with your life and generationally, quit being a victim. Quit being a victim of what your parents did. Quit being a victim of what your uncle did. Quit being a victim of what your friends have said about you. You have got to make that decision. I cannot make that decision for you. And when you, when you decide to quit being a victim, you will genuinely be able to conquer more things in life. You get what I'm saying? Y'all stand up with me. Um, I want to... Travis, guys, you guys come back up here. Um, tonight is not about behavior. This isn't about attacking behavior. This isn't about trying to overcome... I mean, it is, but it's not. It is about overcoming the belief, these belief issues that you have. And some of you have them and probably don't even realize that they're there because no one's ever actually asked you that question. It's like, well, I deal with, um, I'm just going to use pornography as an example. I just can't quit. I, 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 can't, I can't get over sexual sin. I can't quit, can't quit pornography. And we, we, we attack the phone. We, we, we strive after accountability. We, we strive after all of these things that we feel like will cut it off. But is it, have you ever thought about where that comes from? And that's really with any addictive behavior. Have you ever really thought about why you feel like you have to have something that constantly makes you feel better? Can I just ask you this? What is constantly making you feel worse? That you need something, regardless if it's pornography or drinking or vaping or whatever it is. What is it that's in here that is constantly making you feel worse about yourself, that you have to chase after something to make you feel better about yourself? Those are the hard questions most of us don't ever get asked and most of us, we try to avoid. Because again, that would be, that's our shame. Look at me. You are not shackled by your behavior. You are shackled by your shame. You are not bound by addiction. You are bound by your shame. Only it's a lot easier to talk about the product, it's a lot easier to talk about the behavior. And it hurts so much more to talk about what were the experiences like that led to this belief, that led to these expectations, that manifested this behavior. And that, that, that's, who, that's who I want to be as a church. That's who I want to be as a, as, as, a, as a community. We can't just can't just dissect behavior anymore guys we've got to start attacking the shame we've got to start attacking well what, what were the experiences like and those those conversations are hard and some of you in this room you shouldn't be here circumstances 
statistic, I'm just speaking statistically, you shouldn't be here. Your circumstances should have led you down by now a path where you should not be here. And no matter how many times you fail or not, how many times you need help getting back up, you're still standing. It's because God is trying to do something in you generationally. He's trying to give you every opportunity in the world to stop these cycles that have been repeating over and over and over and over and over again. So with every eye closed and bow your heads, I want to pray for you. We're going to open up the altar, but hear me, guys, our heart for tonight, this message, everything about this has got to go beyond this night. Everything about this has got to go beyond this moment. desperate to to change some behavior in your life you've got to get down to the belief and some of you that's going to take longer than 15 minutes at an altar that first cycle that I talked about the experiences that lead to the to the belief lead to the expectations that lead to the behavior if you would say that that's right where I am. It's the belief that's that's tripping me up. Or maybe it's the expectation. Would you just slip up your hand? No one's looking. I'm not even looking. I just want you to be able to publicly acknowledge before God that this has got to stop. Maybe you're part of that shame, fear, control, and you are bound and shackled by shame. It causes you to live in fear that someone would see the real you. Someone would see how deeply you are actually hurting. Someone would actually see what happened to you. Someone would know how messed up this is. And you live your life stressed out all the time, anxious all the time, because you are trying to control everything to make sure no one ever hurts you again. No one ever finds out. Would you slip up your hand? Okay. If you raise your hand for either of those things, I want to ask you to come stand down at the front. If you would be honest enough to say, the cycle's got to stop with me. The behavior has got to stop with me. The mindsets have got to change. The beliefs have got to change. Come on, there's no shame down here. There's nothing, there's nothing waiting. This is this is the first step for so many of you that you need to take to say, I, I, I'll be the first. Don't know my dad, but I'll, I'll be the first. Don't know my mom, but I'll be the first. For some of you, I think that you are you are beginning to see yourself walking the same path that you have you have been believing you would, and it terrifies you. You you can see you can see the path before you that is going to lead you to the thing that you always feared the most. 
and you thought that you had controlled it long enough. I'm going to pray and then we're going to go back into worship. Father, I pray for every individual down here. Lord, I speak freedom and we speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. We speak deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Father, uproot every lie, uproot every attack of the enemy, every stronghold. I don't care what the last names are. I don't care what, where they are from, what their parents have done, what has been done to them. Lord, we uproot right now everything the enemy has tried to do to steer off generational blessing that has tried to, <coughs> that has tried to keep these young people from experiencing true freedom. Those that are living in, in constant anxiety and fear and shame because they can't break this behavior and they're doing everything they can. Lord, I pray that we would uproot every ungodly belief and replace it with what you say. Every insecurity, Lord, replace it with your truth. Every fear, replace it with your faith. Replace it with your spirit. Replace it with your words. Replace it with who you are, Jesus. Transform us tonight, God, by the renewing of our minds. Lord, we pray for a renewing mindset in every single person that was bold enough to come down here to the front. We speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a, a young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless.